establish boundaries around your time and make sure that you schedule your self-care time first mm. because we can fill our calendars up with work. Not a problem. It's easily done. But when we try to squeeze in self-care, it's harder to find time. You put that on your calendar first and you don't move it. Mm. Don't worry. The work is going to find the open slots. It won't be a problem. But schedule your self-care first and, and color code it too. Use, and I do this what I do with my calendar. Um, mm. I use my favorite color to rec, you know, demonstrate self-care and things that are beneficial to me. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's built several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help uh, startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the episode, Michael Levitt. And Michael has a, a good story to tell, and I'll, I'll give a quick intro. So back in around 2009, 2010, over the course of about a year, he went from a heart attack that almost killed him, losing a job in a recession, getting a car repossessed, having a house foreclosed on, um, all, everything in between, all the way till today where he's now uh, doing his own thing and uh, being successful and uh, rebounded from that. So, and he'll fill in a lot of the gaps in between. But with that as an intro, welcome to the podcast, Michael. Great to be with you, Devin. So I gave the, the sad st or front of your story, but maybe if you want, we can start there. But if you want to give a bit more details, kind of how that all played out over the course of a year. Sure. And when you're doing that story, I, I kind of want to play like sad trombone music in the background <laughs> because it, it, it's like, oh, wow, you know, you had all that stuff go on. And, you know, I'll say, well, why are you, why are you bringing him on? You know, is he, where, where is he at? No, you know what? It's it all those things. Yeah, they all happened over a period of a year. And they were all caused by me being completely burned out and not taking care of myself and really struggling with life in every aspect of it and ignoring the signs of burnout because they were all there. I just ignored them. And, you know, it led to what I like to call my year of worst case scenarios with all so of those. Before lessons. you go to worst case scenarios, and we'll dive absolutely into that. What were you doing that led to your burnout? I mean, what was your job or what were you doing that led to the burnout? I was a healthcare executive uh, for a startup healthcare organization. So I was responsible for recruiting physicians, hiring staff, educating the community on why our clinic was better than the other clinics that were in the area, working with funding officials to get more funding for our clinic and uh, navigating all the demands uh, that healthcare has to it. So uh, it's in a way ironic that, you know, a healthcare role gave me a health scare uh, in a way. It's, uh, I guess, although it was really good to be there to get tested to figure out that's exactly what had happened. You know, I had my, when I had my heart attack, I was, you know, the tests were done at my clinic. So it was uh, an interesting time for sure. So you were working at, with the startup in the healthcare industry and just maybe summarizing and uh, making clear on my end, working, uh, it sounds like a whole bunch of hours, you know, and with a lot of startups, that's kind of I don't know, expected, but certainly not outside the norm. You're at a startup, you're hungry for business, clients, money, investors, products developing, getting everything up and going. Everybody's wearing multiple hats. And then in the midst of that, as you're doing all that, then you, as you indicated, you started to go down the path of startup and over the course of a year kind of had that awakening. So what was that kind of progression? Was it the heart attack that was first or which, what was the progression or how did that play out for you? Yeah, it was the heart attack was first and then uh, was off of work for 17 weeks recovering and then went back to work 
to find out that they didn't want me anymore. So they let me go. Now let's rewind here. So that time it was the fall of 2009. So we were still pretty much in the middle of the great recession. Uh, and if we remember, there was a lot of jobs being lost, mortgages, all that good stuff. And I was outside of Windsor, Ontario, across the border from Detroit and the auto sector was on its last leg. The government had to bail the gov- you know, those businesses out. Otherwise, GM and Chrysler, for sure, mm. in all likelihood, would not be here today if it wasn't for the government assistance. And Ford was you know, pretty close. You know, they had a lot of their own funding, but they still needed a little bit of assistance here and there. Mm. So when you're working in an area that was so heavily tied to the auto sector and there's no jobs... Uh, it's really hard to find something. So it did require a relocation for me. And I moved to, from, from the Windsor area up to Toronto. So leaving a community of roughly a quarter million to an area that has close to 7 million people, slight adjustment in traffic. Uh, but so after the heart attack and the job loss, I was able to find a role in Toronto. And then the family car was repossessed because when you lose your job, and you're on unemployment and you're getting a little bit of money from unemployment, it barely covers anything. We all know that. But the problem was for me, I also had an additional thousand dollars a month in medical bills and the medications that I had to take. So I was paying a thousand dollars a month for drugs uh, and not the good, not the good kind that make you legal drugs that aren't nearly as fun. Yeah, exactly. The, The legal ones aren't fun from what people tell me, but anyway, so a thousand dollars a month for that on top of food, on top of mortgage payment, on top of bills and all of that. And I'd worked with my creditors and explained to them the situation and they, you know, gave us a pretty lengthy grace period, but that grace period ran out. And then they exercised the right to take the family vehicle, which you you enter an agreement. I give you money. You give me a loan to buy a vehicle. If I stop giving you money, you get to take the vehicle. So they exercised the right. Never, I've never been mad at them at all. Um, that was just the reality of it. And then after moving up to Toronto and moving the family up, uh, we forgot our bunk bed ladder, uh, at the old house. So I was going back to that area to visit with family in a week or so. And I was going to swing by the house and grab the ladder. And when I went back to the house to grab the ladder and anything else that we had forgotten, I opened up the screen door in the front of the house and I saw the largest padlock I've ever seen in my life. You don't see these locks at Home Depot. Uh, the only the only place that sells these locks are organizations that foreclose homes, and that's what happened. Uh, the home was foreclosed before we were able to put it on the market. So it did save me some you know fees when it came to working with the realtor because the bank decided to sell it for me. But uh, still, um, to have all of those losses and those losses are gigantic. Each one of them on their own are a big deal, and they can really impact people. Uh, from a mental state for sure. And I had them all in a year and it was all because I was burned out and I wasn't taking care of myself. So after all of those losses, Mm. I had choices. I could have said, you know what? I'm blaming everybody for doing this to me. You know, I could have blamed my bosses, the fast food restaurants, the banks. I could have, you know, started pointing fingers and saying, how dare you do this to me? But Mm. I never, I never played the victim because I was responsible for all those things happening. It was me. I was the only one that was common in all of those elements. It was me. Mm. I could have said, Hey, you know what? I survived all that. I'm Superman. You know, I'm just going to go about living my life the way I want to and everything's great. Or 
the choice that I did make was, okay, I'm very fortunate to be alive. What do I need to do to make sure that this experience never happens again? And that's the path that I took. And it took some time. Before, before when you make that, you make it sound so easy in the sense of, hey, I'll just, I, I got too, you know, clear-minded. I'm, I got two paths before me. I'll choose the path that doesn't lead me to despair and anguish type of thing. Was it really that easy or was it a process, a period of time, self-reflection? Or how did you, because, you know, certainly, in, you know, you have startups that go under, right? And whether it's, you know, you, you get burned out and you have a heart attack and then you get let go, or you just have a startup that you put your blood, sweat, and tears in, doesn't work out, take out loans, get foreclosed on whatever. I mean, other, it happens to other people. And you can start to say, hey, I'm going to slip into depression. I'm otherwise going to start, as you mentioned, blame everybody, or I'm going to, you know, start, or lose all hope or, you know, any number of bad things. So how did you, you know, over that period of time, was it, did you start out depressed and have to pull yourself out of depression? Was it a realization, hey, I've either got two choices, I can go down a bad path or a good path, or how did you make it, you know, it sounds really easy, but I'm assuming it's not that easy. So how did you kind of make that transition or have that realization? Yeah, it took some time. In that 17 weeks that I had between the heart attack and losing my job, a lot of the framework was done there. And of course, at that point, I didn't know anything about losing the job or the car or the home type of situation. Those weren't, mm. uh, you know, th those weren't in, you know, in the situation at that point. But for those 17 weeks, which was during the summer, uh, I did a lot of reflection. And I, I never had any depression or anxiety after uh, the cardiac event, actually, of everybody involved, family, friends, and all that, I was probably the calmest of everybody. Mm. And a lot of people were like curious about that. And even to this day, I, I, I can't necessarily say why I was, but I, I, it was just the state of mind that I was in. I'm like, okay, that happened to me. I don't want that to happen again. Okay, what do I need to do? So I just relaxed, you know, for that, the first, I would say, four to six weeks, I just was recuperating from it and getting used to the medications and going at life at a much slower pace. Cause you got to remember I was going full tilt 6am to 11pm, seven days a week to not doing anything. Mm. That is very, very difficult for somebody that is a type A personality doer. Let's go do this and this to somebody that needs a nap at two o'clock in the afternoon. And mm. I was 40. Okay, Saturday afternoons in the fall, yes, I'll take a nap because I'll have the college football game on and I'll just get comatose and I wake up in the afternoon and go, and, you know, why is UCLA playing? It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's the afternoon, late afternoon now. Okay, completely missed the first game. All right, you know, so uh, at least now we can rewind with our televisions. Back then, that wasn't, still wasn't around as much. So, mm. so basically, I, just, I, I took that time to just kind of reflect and go, okay, what do I need to do? And it was just basically keeping track of my thoughts, how I was feeling, my energy, interactions, just going in a way, just kind of observing life, maybe just a little bit outside of myself. And that's, it wasn't easy to do that, but it was just like, okay, why, you know, if I had an argument, for example, okay, why was I upset about that situation? What were all the ingredients, beliefs, patterns, and and all of that. And when I started doing that, I started realizing, okay, a lot of this was programming that I had for a long time and just how I was, my demeanor, uh, my personality, my beliefs, how I approach things. And 
and I joke about Facebook. I some people love it, some people hate it. I'm I'm hit or miss with it. But the one thing that I do love about Facebook is the memory section because it'll show you your posts that you did years ago. And when I see posts that I posted prior to my cardiac event, I recognize that person, but it's not me. Mm. I'm not I'm not that person anymore because I made changes. And is it easy to do it? It's not easy, but you have to go at it from a very methodical, okay, how could I look at this situation in a different way? Could I approach this differently? Instead of ordering this food from this restaurant, maybe I can order this instead, or let's you know try a little bit more activity to start taking better care of myself so I wasn't dragging all the time and, and eating improperly and getting a proper amount of sleep and a variety of other things that I implement in my life, which, you know, has made my life obviously much better than it was before. So, so you did that introspection, you look and say, okay, what are the things that led me to this? What can I do differently and how can I move forward now taking it, you know, kind of back to almost a journey of, so now you made those kind of introspections. You take that period of time. How did you then pick yourself up and how did you decide, okay, I've still got to make a living. I still have to have an income. So I have a family to support. So I got myself to support. How can I, you know, what was the path to now getting new employment, different employment? Was it, Hey, I'm going to go do a startup. I'm going to do my own thing. Take my control, you know, take things into my control. I'm going to go work at Walmart as a greeter as a temporary thing to get some income or, you know, I'm going to go work for a big company or kind of what was that transition for you as you now trying to make that the, make that decision as to where's it, where do you go from here? Yeah. What after, you know, the house was uh, repossessed or actually during that period of time, I found a role, a healthcare role, ironically in Toronto. And my parents wanted to have me committed. They're like, are you crazy? You're going back into healthcare. It nearly killed you. What the hell? And basically I said, you know what? No, I'm going to go at this differently. I need, this was something that I had to prove to myself. I'm like, can I go back into the sector that I failed miserably at and actually come out of it successful? And I did. And what I did is I used it as a healing mechanism to, again, do the work that I was doing, but really setting priorities and boundaries around my work and establishing when I was going to work, when I wasn't going to work, shutting down email, not going onto the computer after hours, not working nights and weekends, really, you know, establishing those rules from the very beginning. And it made the biggest difference for me. And you can do it in a startup. You can do it if you're working for somebody else. It's easier to do it at the very beginning. And it's just like any habit. Once you establish it and you practice it, then it becomes more routine and you can do it. So going through all the healing and reinventing myself and, you know, looking at life differently and living life with more boundaries and protecting myself and focusing on my self-care more, life was going good. I was becoming really successful in my healthcare roles, doing a lot of great things, uh, working with funding agencies on strategic planning sessions. I was on boards of directors, um, you know, making big decisions for organizations. And while I was doing that and life was going really well and successful, I started paying attention to my colleagues and I noticed that they were going down that burnout path that I did. And it scared me. And I'm like, what in the world? You just start, it's one of those things. It's like, 
you know, if you're a, a smoker and then you quit smoking, then you all of a sudden you start looking around, you see everybody smoking. It's it. like, or if you buy a new or, car and everybody, now you start to notice everybody has a red car, that same type of a thing. Exactly. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the only one in this neighborhood that owns this car and you look around and there's like six in the parking lot and you're like, okay, I, right, I guess I was, before. exactly. Uh, exactly. It's like someone's following me or you know, they're stalking me kind of thing. But no, I think what happened was in that situation, I started talking to my colleagues and I didn't share my story so much with them other than, look, I had bouts of, of stress and burnout. I know what it looks like with all due respect. You're showing some signs and you should, you know, take some time and ease up and all that. And they said, no, I'm just going to work through it. It'll be fine later. I knew that it wouldn't be because I know the work that they do and I know the demands that they had and the way that they were approaching it wasn't going to be helpful. So I thought, okay, I need to do something a little bit more. So I started researching burnout uh, a bit more because burnout's been around for a long, long time. I actually have a book that was published in 1980 titled Burnout. Yeah. Uh, and so it's been around for a very long time, but it's just more prevalent and there's more awareness of it now, which is mm. good and bad. It's bad that it exists, but it's good that there's awareness and there's talk happening about it because once there's talk then eventually there's action and then there's movement and then uh, some people are addressing it so doing all this research and finding all of these things I'm like oh I should start sharing these with my colleagues and and then I realized I just started looking around and seeing other sectors outside of healthcare were having similar challenges legal education manufacturing it was all over the place mm. so I thought okay how what should I do about this and then the entrepreneurial spirit, which I never thought I had, although in my startup roles that I had in my life, I actually did. But you know what? I, I need to formalize this a little bit more instead of just having a blog. Why don't I launch my own company? I'll keep my healthcare role, launch it. Um, so that way, if it takes time to build it up, I can do it and, and run both simultaneously and of course, with caution, because you know it's not good for the burnout guy to burn out. It's not good for PR. So it's, I, it's I, of, I need to. I, like the healthcare professional having a heart attack. No, I'm just kidding. But no, yeah, ex exactly. But exactly, exactly. You guys should do this. Well, look what you guys did to your director. Yeah, I'm not listening to you, Doc. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the patient results for that community weren't that great after they heard that. But anyway, no, actually, the the physician there um, that caught my cardiac event is a really good doc. So, uh, but end of day, thought, okay, let me launch a business. Let's start writing about this. And, and you started but, out as kind of as almost a side hustle, right? If, if I remember, kind of yeah. when we talked a little bit before, it wasn't just, hey, I've got this idea for a consulting business of how to do burnout, you know, avoid burnout, but I'm going to keep my job that I'm doing now and get this started kind of a side hustle on the side. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I, I started as a side hustle with the eventual goal to migrate to it full time, which I did several years ago. And because the work was there and is there. And during the time of this recording in the middle of this pandemic, it's really there. Um, I'm, and mm. we'll jump into some of the things they do, but after, you know, writing about it, you know, somebody said, you know, you should probably do a podcast about this because podcasts are starting to get popular and you could, you know, give some quick tidbits of advice. So I did. And that the original premise of my show was 
I was just going to yap for about five minutes. Here, do this. You know, triage your calendar. You know, prioritize. And here's some things that I do to help. And that's what it started off as. And then uh, the person that told me to do the podcast said, you need to start interviewing people and talk to them about burnout or whatever comes up. And been doing that ever since. And, you know, we're three and a half years into it. So it, it's been a blast for doing that. But what ended up happening was the organization that I launched, my initial thought and the plan and the structure of the startup was I was going to be consulting with C-suite executives and senior level management people because that's the types of roles that I was in. Mm. I know those people burn out and I know they do their best not to talk about it publicly, mm. especially if they're a Fortune 500 executive and they're burning out. If that gets in the news, that stock is tanking. And it's tanking fast. And so the people that I talk with, you know, a lot of times the entrepreneurs all know this. Many sites for businesses, I work with Coca-Cola and FedEx and, you know, they list all the logos of all the great companies that do that. I can't do that Mm. because if I put the name of a company on there or an individual, you know, again, it could tank their stock and cost people billions Um, my insurance does not cover that Um, so my my limit is not that high so for me even if you were to take the smaller businesses you know and i and i said i mentioned in this podcast and others i run several businesses and if i were to go if if the people that worked under me that you know that were my employees and i don't like to say under me but you know work that are the employees i employ if i were to go and say Hey, I'm burning out and I'm worn out. And they, 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 would, they would start to worry about their job security as well of, Hey, if the boss, the person that's running things, isn't going to be able to keep, you know, getting everything done, what are we going to do? And then they start. So I think that even across the stage, whether you start up small business all the way up to the huge businesses, it's a, it certainly is a worry for everybody that's on the management level, C level type of people, because they have a perception that they have to exude confidence. They have to let, you know, whether it's a market or whether it's the employees, whether it's clients, you want to make sure that you look like you appear to have, you're on top of everything and you've got everything handled. Otherwise, start, people start to lose that confidence. So now jumping to it. So you, you did all this, you started, you know, you, I think you said in 2018, you kind of went all in full time, you're going to do all of this, you're going to switch from, you know, doing this as a side hustle to now building a podcast, doing speaking, doing consulting, and really helping people address burnout. So you take that 2018. So you've had it the last ye- couple years. How's it, how's it gone as far? And I'm sure, you know, COVID has also been a, a, a factor in it. Maybe that's helpful. Maybe it's not in the sense that it probably creates, you know, different types of burnout and other things that factor into it. But as a business, you know, taking that as a business, has it gone well, gone upwards? Has it kind of gone those ups and downs or how's it gone for you? Uh, it, it started off kind of a slow climb and then the pandemic hit and uh, I shifted things because I was speaking and I had a, a several events this year booked already that I was going to be speaking about burnout because burnout was and has been pretty prevalent. Uh, the pandemic hit and it took off. Um, and and what we see is Monster.com did a recent survey and those surveyed indicated that 69% of people surveyed are identifying as being burned out. So in an organization, if those statistics are accurate, seven out of 10 people in your organization are burning out. We have a pandemic within a pandemic. That's huge. 
insurance claims for mental health claims and mental illness and sick leave are skyrocketing. A colleague of mine works in the insurance industry and he says that the claims this year are astronomical. So what's going to happen? And the challenge with mental issues and stress and burnout, a lot of organizations have been reluctant to do anything about it because it's, it's difficult in a way to do it. And they say, well, you know, it's not really impacting their bottom line. Well, it's going to because your insurance premiums are going to go sky high next year. Mm. Um, And you're going to also have a ton of absenteeism and people leaving your organization. And we know it takes, you know, depending on the role, 18 months to two years to get fully back up to speed if you lose a key individual. Yeah. Well, you start losing five to seven, you know, out of 10 people in your organization and you're not a McDonald's, that's a problem. Uh, and it's going to impact your deliverables to your clients. Your clients are going to get upset. They're going to leave. Believe me, it's going to impact the bottom line. So you need to get ahead of this at whatever level and, and create opportunities for people to bring to light the challenges that they're facing. Because the working from home burnout situation is a huge problem because one, you have so many people working from home. Their homes aren't set up like an office, or they weren't. They might be now, hopefully, but they weren't before. And for many people, they've never worked remotely before. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, what's Zoom? You know, how do I use this? What, what's this? And I think everyone knows what it is now. And we're all kicking ourselves for not buying the stock in March, but that's another story. Sure. But I think at the end of the day, we have work and home are now the same place. And so I, many I, of us... That's a good point. Even to the point of, you know... And I think a lot of people think that they work well from home or they always dreamed of working from home and, you know, they don't, you don't realize. So I work from home. I don't work at home anymore. I have my office, I have my employees, but for beginning and for quite a bit of my career, I worked several years from home and I worked for remotely and, you know, it was everything. And I'm an introvert. So I, I tended to be fine. I didn't, I didn't need the social interaction, but what I did, even for me doing it all those years, it took me a while to figure out how do you balance? So, if your wife comes in and wants to have a question or the kids get home from school and you're on a call, how do you balance that? Or how do you not, you know, get distracted? Well, I've got these couple of things I just need to get done at home. And so I'll, I'll make up the time for work later on. And then it creates those issues of missing deadlines. And it, it creates a lot new, a lot of stress that if you haven't done that or you're not used to it makes it, you know, a much different dynamic that you're not used to. So I completely get that. And I, I think there's a lot of uh, issues with, or, you know, a lot of things to address there. We don't have as much time to address it all here, but my question would be, I'll, I'll give you two offer, or two things and then we'll, we'll might hit my last two questions. First is, you mentioned you have a podcast and it addresses a lot of this. People want to find out more, want to listen to your podcast, get to get more information. What's the podcast that you, that you do? Uh, it's called The Breakfast Leadership Show and it's on all the major platforms and mm-hmm. some that I've never heard of. And so, yeah, I listened to your show on this. I'm like, on what? Like so, yeah. It's it gets replicated everywhere. So, uh, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of them. So, Breakfast Leadership right. Show. Okay. Well, that's allowed to be the first thing. So, people want to find out more about um, how to avoid burnout, how to deal with it, and other people's experiences. I think that sounds like it's a good resource to go to. With the one other thing, so people want what would be the one? And I know that it's always hard because there's a lot of things. What would be the one tip or piece of advice you'd give people? to avoid burnout or at least to address it or to, you know, guard against that. Uh, Limit your screen time on your smartphone. Mm. Um, It's, you don't understand how many times you're interrupted in a day, just in normal things, but your smartphone 
great devices, but my goodness, we pick these things up so often and they you know, eat up a bunch of our time and take us away from the deep work that we really need to do. And even during this pandemic, we're, we're consuming a lot of content and unfortunately a lot of it is negative and that uh, can impact your mental state, which impacts your physical state, which lowers your immunity and you don't want to have a low immunity right now. Hmm. No, I think that, that's a good advice. I mean, it's always one that we hear it a lot. It's a simple one. And yet how often do we either, Oh, you know, and I thought it was interesting. This is a site, you know, you see a lot of the studies and that of people think, you know, how often do they people think they're on their smart device or on a screen versus how often are they actually? And the people are like, oh, I'm on my phone maybe an hour a day. And then you do the, you know, the trackers and everything else. And people are on for two and a half, three hours or plus. And, you know, and then it's, you know, it's a has a much bigger impact that oftentimes people disregard. It is. And, you know, for mine, I use mine often as a computer. So it, it piles up on, on the time and you look at it and you go like, yikes. So, you know, I try to do different things and, and build in breaks and not use it as much, but yeah, mm -hmm. I keep the time of the track and I go, wow, that's, that's not good. Okay. You know, cause when people say I don't have any time, it's like, well, according to your smartphone, you you're spending about five hours a day. So you think you could carve out maybe 30 minutes away from, um, TikTok and, and, and maybe do something else. Although TikTok, if you're dancing and you're moving, you're getting action and activity. Get activity. So that's true. That's, you know, it, well, as, as long as it doesn't get banned, we'll be good. Yeah. Who knows what will happen there? That's a whole longer conversation. So, yeah. No, All right. So, so as we start to wrap up the, the podcast, I always ask two questions at the end of the podcast. So we'll jump to those now. So first question, maybe it's already, all, you know, within all the things that we've covered, but what was the worst business decision you have ever made? Worst business decision was not starting this organization sooner. Hmm. It's it funny, because I, I, I think we're, you may be 100. If not, we're getting close to the number of episodes 100. I don't have the exact number, but we'll call this 100. It may be okay. one off or a couple off. But of the 100-ish episodes I've done, I would say the number one thing is that people say their biggest mistake is, is just that they should have got started earlier. I love this. It's a, it's been a, a life changing, all of the above. And so I think that it's just interesting how many people have so many different journeys. And yet that's probably the number one answer is the thing that they wish they'd done earlier. Okay. Second question is if you were to take someone that's now just getting into startups, just getting into small businesses, just starting out or wanting it started out, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Establish boundaries around your time and make sure that you schedule your self-care time first hmm. because we can fill our calendars up with work. Not a problem. It's easily done. But when we try to squeeze in self-care, it's harder to find time. You put that on your calendar first and you don't move it. Hmm. Don't worry. The work is going to find the open slots. It won't be a problem. But schedule your self-care first and, and color code it too. Use... And I do this, what I do with my calendar. Um, mm. I use my favorite color to rec you know, demonstrate self-care and things that are mm. beneficial to me. And then that way I can look back at yesterday or last week or last month. And if I don't see enough of my favorite color, I know there's a problem and I need to make an adjustment with my time and my schedule. So mm. use, use your favorite color and it doesn't have to be an electronic. You can use paper one too. just use a highlighter um, and, and highlight uh, the self-care uh, with your favorite colors and that way you can look back and go okay yeah I'm, I'm getting enough and you can tell it's just you, you ask yourself you do a check-in with yourself how am I feeling hmm. and you know both physically mentally you know 
does my outlook on life look good? Or I feel dejected? Am I feel kind of down? Am I anxious about something? Mm. Do those check-ins and you know, keeping track of your calendar is, is one good way to make sure that you keep in check uh, with what's going on in your life. No, and I completely agree. And I always, there's always more fires to put out, more things to do than you ever have time to. And I'd, I'd put that in there. That's just kind of the same perspective I have with family time too, is, is, you know, having those boundaries because, you know, in self-care and I'd put family is, is both very important things. And you're, they're always ones that are easy to push off, right? Oh, I can work, start running or working out tomorrow. I can start taking a break or medication. Oh, Oh, we're back. Sorry. Dropped off there for just a second. Yeah. I look, I I look down at the thing and I was like, do I, okay. Sometimes it's me, but I look down. It's like, no, all, all white bars on this. And I'm like, Hmm. I'm like, (laughs) all right. So for the list, for the listening audience, we had a temporary break. So I'm going to back up. And if you, if I repeat myself, you'll just get an extra thing. But what I was saying is, you know, for me, I look at it just to your point, taking time for yourself, you almost have both family and self-care kind of fall in the categories of it's easy to push off in the sense that you always have fires to put out at work. You always have things to get done, especially if you're a startup, small business or at a C level is you're always going to have more things to do than time to do it. And so family always say, Oh, you know, I'll, I can get that tomorrow. I can go to that game or that practice or I can spend time reading the book to the kid. Same thing. I can always start running tomorrow. I can eat healthier, you know, next week and I'll, I'll just get through this week type of a thing. And yet if you're not intentional, if you don't do it, you're, you're never going to have that. You're never if you you're always going to have things that will fill up your time. And if you don't be intentional about it, you're always going to have it fill it up and never have that self-care and you're never going to have that family time. So well, as we wrap up, as we finish up the podcast, people want to reach out to you. They want to learn more about you, learn about your, your find your podcast, read your book, schedule you for an event. Uh, they want to work for you. They want to pick your brain, any or all of the above. What's the best way to connect with you? Best way is uh, go to breakfastleadership.com at, you know, the bottom there's a thing where they can enter some information and I can, um, you know, reach out to them. Social media under B Fast Leadership. So the letter B and then Fast Leadership on all the major social media platforms. So uh, interact with me there as well. I'm happy to help or guide you on, you know, whatever you're facing when it comes to this burnout. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's been fun to hear about your journey, about how you've overcome burnout and how you're now helping other people with it. Now, for any of you that uh, have your own journey to tell, love to have you on the podcast and feel free to uh, go to inventivejourneyguest.com and apply to be on the podcast and come on and uh, tell your journey. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you can get a notification of this and all the new, or all the new episodes as they come out. And lastly, um, if you ever need help with patents or trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Always here to help. Thanks again, Michael, for coming on. It's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you.